Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special New Year's message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In the early church, people didn't walk around uh, saying praise the Lord, hallelujah, how you doing, bless God. People didn't do that in the early church. Um, you know, the Christian fish, the ichthus. Well, the history of the ichthus, and perhaps you know this, the history of the ichthus is in the early church. Um, it, it was used to identify Christians. Um, because you didn't walk around saying praise the Lord and you didn't walk around, you know, hey, how you doing? Praise God. Bless the Lord. Okay, take care. Praise the Lord. You didn't do all that. Christians would identify each other with this fish. So everyone carried a stick, generally walked around with with a stick and um and they would, like, if you meet, like, a Christian and you ever look at somebody and you, you just kind of, you look in their eyes, you're talking to them, you just go, man, you, you must be a Christian because you just, the spirit, your spirit bears witness with my spirit. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, you meet, you meet them and they're so sweet and they're their spirit and then you go, yeah, you must be a Christian. Now, I do have to admit I have been wrong where, you know, I'm, <laughs> I have ever met somebody and, hey, you a Christian? And they go, no. Uh, you should be. <laughs> Why you ask? Because uh, you're a nice person, but uh, you should be a Christian. And so, <laughs> but it happens. But there's times where you meet people and, you know, their spirit bears witness your spirit. Well, in the early church, if that happened, you wouldn't talk about the Lord publicly because if you did, Titus Flavius Domitian would have you killed. So you would take your stick, you're walking around, you take your stick, you're standing there talking, and you would just be talking, and you draw half the fish in the dirt. And if that person was a believer, they would take their stick and draw the other half. And thus you have anybody know what I'm talking about, that Christian fish, then you would have that that Christian fish. So they identify themselves that way because you you had to um, uh, be quiet about your witness because the church was under such extreme and heavy persecution. And if you were found to be a Christian, you would be burned at the stake or mothers would be killed. Uh, babies would be killed and then wrapped around the neck of the mother. I mean, he was really sick. He wiped out millions of our brothers and sisters. Read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And so Domitian is demanding to be worshipped in this time frame. The Domitian is demanding to be worshipped as God, and the Christians are refusing. So Domitian decides to go after the leaders of the Christian church. So now enters John. John is the last living apostle. John is the last apostle who actually spent time with Jesus. He actually walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus, and he's the apostle that Jesus loved, he said, and and he would spend time with the Lord and and fellowship with God. And so John, at this point, he's about 100 years old, and he's famous. 
because he spent time with Jesus. So John would go to various churches and he was so old and decrepit that that young, strong Christian guys would carry him to various churches and they would they would bring him in and, and sit him down in the midst of the people and then people would gather around and sit on the floor and hang through the windows and John's in town. Hey, John, the apostles in town and people would gather around and sit and, and they would say, speak, John, speak, because they want to hear a word from the Lord because he's the last living apostle who spent time with the Lord. Are you getting me? Or did you stay up too late last night? And so he speak, John, speak, give us a word, John, give us a word. And John would look at the people and he would say, my children love one another. And then he would have the guys pick him up and take him out. They're all probably sitting there going, is that it? Love one another? Is that it? Yeah, man, it was deep. John became known in the early church for his single sentence sermons. Love one another. So John is mightily being used of God. He's about a hundred years old. Domitian wants to kill John, so he has his henchmen go and arrest John. Are you listening? He has his henchmen go and arrest John, and they try to kill John. They even put him in some boiling oil and try to kill him, and he wouldn't die. Hallelujah. He wouldn't die. So then they sent him to the island of Patmos. Patmos is about 50 miles away from Ephesus. The island of Patmos is where they sent people to do hard labor. Little clothing, little food, no vegetation on this island. Patmos was a rocky, barren, seemingly God-forsaken island where people were sent to die. And it was there that John received the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 9 in your Bibles, John was exiled to the island of Patmos. Why? Because of his testimony. Are you looking at it? Because of his testimony. In other words, Jesus was so real and so precious. Somebody hear me. Jesus was so real and so precious to John that John would rather be exiled to a barren island than not talk about Christ. To John, obedient fellowship was more important than the comforts of life. And while on this island, God gives John a vision. And that vision isn't just for John, and it isn't just for the seven churches. It's for you, and it's for me. John says, notice in verse 10, John says that he received that vision. Look at verse 10. He received that vision on the Lord's day. So John received this vision on a Sunday. Because in scripture, the Lord's day is a Sunday. It's Sunday that John heard a voice and told him to write down what you see. So John says he was in the spirit and he heard a voice behind him as a trumpet. And the voice said, remarkable statement, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. The Alpha, Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Think about it. The alphabet, our alphabet, the alphabet, is a tool that we use to make words. The alphabet is a way of storing accumulated wisdom. 
So when John says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he's saying, or when Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and Omega through John, he's saying, I am the alphabet of God. He's saying, I'm the accumulated wisdom of God and the full revelation of who God is. He is the beginning and the ending of all things. He's the first and the last. My favorite preacher, C.H. Spurgeon, you know that. We call him the Prince of Preachers. And he had this to say about Jesus. I love this. I have it for you on the screen. He said, these terms together, Alpha and Omega, mean Jesus is the beginning, middle, and end for the Christian. Preach orthodoxy or any other form of doxy. If you have left out Christ, there is no manna from heaven, no water from the rock, no refuge from the storm, no healing for the sick, no life for the dead. If you leave out Christ, you have left the sun out of the day and the moon out of the night. You have left the waters out of the sea, the harvest out of the year, the soul out of the body. You've left the joy out of heaven. Yea, you have robbed all of its all. There is no gospel worth thinking of, much less worth proclaiming in Jehovah's name if Jesus be forgotten. See why we call him the Prince of Preachers. Isn't that awesome? He is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is saying, I am the totality. I am completely. I am everything. He is the A to Z and everything in between. John says, I was in the spirit and the spirit said, write what you see. That's difficult. Write what you see. That's difficult. God says, write what you see and give it to the churches. So John gets the vision And we get the book. Now, exactly what did John see? John saw Jesus. John saw Jesus standing in the midst of the church. He's not standing over the church. He's not standing at a distance from the church. Jesus is in the middle of the church. John says, I saw the seven golden lampstands. Now, notice in verse 12, I want you to see this. John said, are you looking at verse 12? John said, I turned to see. I love that statement. I turned to see. You know, there are many people in the Bible who turned to see. Moses turned to see the burning bush in Exodus 32. The shepherds turned to see the Christmas story. The shepherds turned to see the angels who brought them the good news. What if they had not turned to see? They would have missed their blessing. The wise men turned to see the star. What if they had not turned to see? Your Christmas would be all messed up. If Joseph had not turned to see, think about it. When the angel told him that the baby that Mary was carrying was a child of the Holy Spirit, if he had not turned to see and to listen to that and to hear that and to believe that, he would have divorced Mary and made a mistake. You see, if God is speaking to your heart, listen, maybe some bizarre thing. Listen, this is bizarre what's happening to John. He's a hundred years old. He's thinking, hey, I'm near ready to go and see Jesus again for him. Going to go see him again. And all of a sudden he's on this island of Patmos where there's other criminals. This is no ordinary place. It's rocky, barren, deserted and desert. And God speaks to him, which that's another sermon in itself. Think about it. God often speaks 
when he gets you alone, doesn't he? When it, when it seems rocky and barren and dirty and, and where's everything and where's everybody and things seem dry. And that's when God speaks. And John, John is receiving this vision of God and he turns to see. And he sees this awesome vision of, of, of Jesus Christ. Listen, that was bizarre to John. And I'll say to you that maybe there's some situation in your life that's bizarre, that, that just maybe keeps happening or something that keeps coming up. And it's just strange. Listen, can I encourage you? Turn to see. Take time and look at it. You know, recently a brother told me that... Um, he had uh he was running into the kept running into this this one guy uh, he ran into this guy and, and he, he said to him he said uh the guy he ran into said he said man he said i cannot get away from these christians cuz every place he went some christian showed up or some believer showed up and hey he goes man i cannot get away from these christians listen perhaps you couldn't get away from the christians cuz god wants you to turn to see because god's got something to say to you because god's trying to reveal something to you and god will keep coming after you when god wants to talk to you when god wants to say something to you he'll come at you sometime in very bizarre ways so turned to see. John turned to see. And what he saw was one like the Son of Man. Look at verse 13. The Son of Man was Jesus Christ. The Son of Man was Jesus' favorite title for himself when he was on earth. This title, Son of Man, speaks of humanity. And the Son of God, write it down, speaks of his deity. The son of man speaks of humanity, that he was 100% man when he walked on the earth. If you believe it, say amen. And he was 100% God when he walked on this earth. If you believe it, say amen. So the son of man speaks of his deity or his humanity. And the son of God speaks of his deity. This title son of man has a prophetic element as well. You might want to read in your own time, Daniel 7, 13 through 14. We don't have time to read it today, but it has a prophetic element, this, this title, Son of Man. But when John says he saw one like the Son of Man, it means he saw someone with dominion and glory and kingly power over the nations. It means he saw one who would rule the world forever because his kingdom could not be destroyed. The Son of Man was clothed with a robe and girded with a band around his chest. You looking at that in verse 13? Now, any Jew reading this would immediately think high priest. The high priest wore a long robe. You know this. He wore a long robe, which speaks of authority and deity and status. The high priest also wore a band around his chest. Now, listen, Exodus 39 you look this up in your own time, you will see that the band that the high priest, listen, the band that the high priest wore around his chest had a thread of gold through it. Notice that Jesus here in our text, the band that's around his chest, the whole thing is gold. It's a gold band entirely around his chest. When Jesus left the earth, listen, he went to heaven to be with the Father. And when he was in heaven, 
now that he is in heaven, he is fulfilling the role of high priest. He's not in heaven twinkling his fingers and twiddling his thumbs and waiting for God to say, go back to the earth. He is now functioning, are you listening, in the office of high priest. And in this office of high priest, he has three main jobs or three main ministries. Write it down. Number one, he has the ministry of intercession. Intercession. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 tells us that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us and that he is able to save us, anybody know the rest, to the uttermost. Are you glad about that? That he is able, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there, that he is able to save us to the uttermost. It was Billy Sunday who said that God can save us from the guttermost to the uttermost. From the guttermost to the uttermost. He now, Jesus, has the ministry of intercession. Then secondly, as high priest, Jesus has the ministry of intervention. Intervention. What do you mean, Rodney? In other words, our great high priest is in heaven, constantly applying his blood to our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And then lastly, Jesus has the ministry of inspection. What's that mean? Well, if you fast forward to chapter two, verse one, it tells us that Jesus is in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks and that he's walking around in between them. So he has the ministry of intercession, intervention, and inspection as our great high priest. Notice the Bible also tells us in verse 13, or actually in verse 14, that his head and his hair were white like wool. You see that? Listen, when I first became a Christian, I told him last night in the first service, I'll tell you, when I first became a Christian, um, I, you know, I told you guys, I was a Jesus freak. I was crazy about Jesus. I love the word of God. I preached all the time. I, I, I began to just read the Bible all the time, devour the word. And I wanted to read the book of Revelation because I don't know why. I just knew that everybody didn't want to read the book of Revelation. So I started reading the book of Revelation probably like day three after becoming a Christian. So I'm reading this chapter and it said that Jesus hair was white like wool and I thought man Jesus is a brother I mean not like a brother Christian brother like a brother like a soul brother he's got an afro Jesus has a white afro it's right here in the Bible look at it I was telling people look 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 Jesus got an afro I was convinced and then later I come to find out, no, he doesn't have an afro. This actually is a reference to Daniel chapter 7 in verse 9. White hair, listen, speaks of timeless wisdom and eternity and purity. White hair speaks of timeless wisdom, age. Can I tell you something? Age in the Bible is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Doesn't that fly in the face of our culture? Nowadays in our culture, everything is about being young. They got more products in the store. I was walking in Walgreens or something, and, you know, they got more products in the store of 
looking young and put this cream on your face and in two minutes you'll look 10 years younger. I'm like, what? Yeah, right. Everything is about looking young and all kinds of surgeries with every description. We'll leave it at that. Trying to look young. Listen, don't get me wrong. Looking nice is fine. Looking nice is great. Being healthy and taking care of yourself is a wonderful thing. But the Bible also says that age and, 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 and the wisdom of years and the gray hair is also a wonderful thing. And we, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. And we shouldn't be quick to, you know, put age people aside. You know, I remember one, one time, I remember specifically praying and asking the Lord to send people of age to our church. Specifically said, Lord, may we have older, wiser people. You know, there's stuff that you learn with age that you just can't learn when you're young. The facts are, young folks, y'all don't know nothing. Where the parents at? Say amen. I know. I was young one time. We were all young one time. We thought we knew everything. You don't know nothing. You got to live some years to learn something. Listen to your parents. Parents, y'all need to write me a check. Listen to your parents. Because those years, I mean, listen, the, 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 the agedness and the wisdom that comes along with it. I, I think of Proverbs chapter uh, 16, and, and, it's, and it talks about a white head is a crown of glory. A white head, we need elderly people in our church, in our community, in, in, in our lives. We, we need elderly people. I think of Leviticus chapter 19, 32. It says, you should honor and stand up for the gray hair people in the presence of an old man and the fear of God, says the Lord. We need to honor older people. I teach my children, you honor older people. I teach my kids when I get older, don't you put me in no nursing home. <laughs> See what happened. Put me in nursing home. I already told them. I forewarned them. Put me in nursing home. I beat you over the head of my walker. I, yes, I will. <laughs> Where my parents said, say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Don't you die. Uh, I took care of you all them years. You're going to take care of me. And you better make some money. Because I'm going to need to spend it. <laughs> But I think that's right, and I think that honors God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think it was right, and I think it honors God. You know, I think of a lady that comes to our church. I love this lady. She's like 84 years old, 86 years old, and she's a little, little lady, little white lady with white hair, and she, she comes to Calvary Chapel. She loves this church. I don't even know if she's here now, but she, she loves this church, and her kids, she lives way out in Wake Forest or Zebulon or somewhere out there, and she has her kids come and get her, and they live in Cary or something. They have to go all the way there every Sunday. They got to go all the way there, pick her up, bring her to church. She loves this church. Can you think about I, that blows me away. This woman is like two generations from me. We have nothing in common, literally nothing in common. And yet she loves to come to this church. That tells me something. Relationships are based on Jesus Christ and him alone. Isn't that true? 
Relationships are formed at the cross. You get a lot in common with people that know Jesus. That lady knows Jesus. She loves Jesus. And I love her because she loves Jesus. And she loves me. And she loves this church. And she loves worship. And she told me, I said, well, I hope it's not too loud for you. She said, huh? I said, okay, we're good. <laughs> but she's just a sweet lady. I mean, she's a sweet lady. <laughs> and I love that about her. She's just a sweet lady. She loves the Lord. And we need to respect older people and the wisdom that they bring. The white hair speaks of wisdom. Let's get done with this. Look at John. He sees eyes as a flame of fire. Look at verse 14. You looking at it? Eyes of flame of fire. Now listen, don't go get all sci-fi on me here. All right, Jesus' eyes, flame of fire. Some of y'all thinking, oh, yeah, that's great. Like in Indiana Jones, when they opened up the sarcophagus and the eyes came out, the lights came out and, and all that. Remember that? And y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all like, and they consumed the people. The lights came from the eyes and it consumed the people. I love that movie. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.